I'm Jim Search, and welcome to Understanding Upstate. It's a podcast dedicated to exploring what makes upstate New York such a unique place. Each week, my co-host Rob Adler and I dive into a new upstate topic to better understand what's up upstate. And today, we are talking upstate hauntings, baby, as we are in the Halloween, I guess, season, for lack of better words. I feel like it's like a good little stretch where people are still getting their spooky on. Uh, so yeah, we're going to jump into it. Rob, how, uh, how are we feeling about jumping in here, man? Pretty good. I was going to say, since this episode's going to drop the Friday after Halloween, I was going to ask you, how do you plan on spending your Halloween, uh, this year? This Halloween, um, you know what? It's funny, uh, as I have, uh, I know that the listeners must hear my voice and be like, he must be in his mid twenties, clearly. <laughs> so he'll totally be, uh, out there dressing up as Ice T circa 1992, as I have done for many years in a row. Um, but to be, qu- to, to be quite frank, um, it's not going to be so Halloween related. For me, um, oh. I don't have any plans um, as of yet, but though as with New York City, who knows what happens? Uh, I will say this, that I do have a iced tea circa 1992 outfit in a separate space in my closet in the event that someone needs me to dress like iced tea. So I'm ready to go. Just like just ready to go. Yeah, black sweatshirt, black jeans, uh, black Air Force Ones, a gold chain, and a pair of sunglasses. Like, you don't need a bug out bag. You don't need, like, any other kind of, like, emergency kit. That'll get you through almost anything, I think. Just channeling the mindset oh, yeah. of Ice T. Like, you're good. That's right. You know what? I have two copies of his autobiography and one copy of his first autobiography. So I'm a number one fan. I will not dispute that. And you, Mr. Adler, what will uh, what will your Halloween plans be? I'm going to be on my honeymoon, my Halloween honeymoon uh, in Curacao. Oh. I'm going to be looking at turtles. My main goal is to see a sea turtle, which evidently would be very easy. So hopefully, I'm just hanging out with turtles. And usually, the odd thing is, this is our first... It's so like our first vacation out of the country together, me and my, my now wife. Congratulations. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, but usually we take our vacations up in the Adirondacks, which, interestingly enough, is the location of uh, the main thing we're going to be talking about today, which is what, Jim? We are going to be talking about the murder of Grace Brown. It's a... Uh, it's over a hundred year old uh, murder and story, and it's as we will find has had some staying power, uh, at least in American culture. Um, should we uh, should we get into it? For sure. Um, now, uh, one thing I will say, and I know my uh, my lady will be very happy uh, that we are doing a true crime podcast <laughs> episode. Since she is very dedicated to the uh, true crime genre. Sure. And now that for for Halloween, we are jumping into a niche of uh, of something that she enjoys, which I can say this. 
uh, right or wrong as my uh, for whatever it's worth in upstate New York. Upstate New York is very highly represented in the true crime uh, Dateline NBC <laughs> murder universe. There are a lot of murdering going on up there. So you're telling me I spent the lion's share of my downtime today coming through old uh, newspapers online just with mm-hmm. like the subheading Adirondacks murder or upstate murder. And Jim, I didn't run out of things to read. <laughs> that, was, that was a lot and it it got uh i got a little depressed reading about all of the upstate murders yeah yeah but now we're gonna turn that into entertainment i guess right yeah i mean listen you know what there is a there is a market for it and you know what if we're gonna talk spooky stories and um, we're gonna talk upstate new york we might as well dip our toes in, so to speak, into the world of true crime podcast. So without further ado, let's jump in, shall we? Let's do it. Let's talk about the murder of Grace Brown. Now, this happened in the... Uh, Early 1900s, so we are going back to a time uh, very, very, uh, very far away from this present day. Uh, But let's uh, let's give you the let's give you the scoop on it. So Grace Brown was was born uh, in South Otelsic, which. I hope I uh, didn't offend any of our South Otelsic fan base uh, here in Shenango County, New York. Now, I can speak a little bit to that. Uh, Shenango County is not too far from Binghamton, uh, so I am familiar with this area in so many ways. Uh, She was the middle child and daughter of a successful Shenango County dairy farmer. Hmm. So she's coming from some measure of uh, prosperity, if you will. Sure. So, in 1904, she, at the age of 18, uh, she moves to nearby Cortland to live with her married sister, Ada, and then work in the new Gillette Skirt Factory. Now, I don't think that this is the Gillette and in the razor. I was thinking the same thing. I couldn't find any connection. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that's uh, where we are here. Cortland is maybe like... 30 minutes uh, away from Binghamton. So again, uh, familiar with the town. They have a college there, SUNY Cortland. Definitely have partied pretty hard there, but that's neither here nor there. That's a separate scary story I can tell you about. It's a different episode. Oh, yeah. Very different episode. Now, we are going to talk about her love interest here, Chester Gillette. Chester is the nephew of the factory owner, the nephew of the factory owner of the Gillette Skirt Factory, and had a less stable childhood than Grace, okay? I grew up in Montana. His family was financially comfortable, but at some point, they renounced all of their wealth and then joined the Salvation Army, which... I didn't know you could do that. I mean, I've renounced all of my wealth by buying <laughs> tons of uh, audio and video gear, so I feel like I can resonate with with this. Yeah, I've definitely uh, certainly decided to uh, uh, renounce my wealth in the form of polo. That's what we call investment. That's those are that's mm. solid investments. 
You're right. You're right. So it's still there. It's not yeah. gone. Yeah. Right. Fair point. Now, again, they renounced their wealth and joined the Salvation Army. And again, had no clue that was a th- you could join them. I knew you could work there. And I didn't know they traveled. Right. I right. didn't know this was an army on the move. Right. Okay. Boots on the ground, if you will. <laughs> Donated boots on the ground, right? <laughs> there we go. These were uh, thrifted boots on the ground. <laughs> so the family, the family like had traveled around the country. So he didn't have a lot of stability there uh, because he was busy Salvation Army in it up. Now, Chester didn't quite take on the family's religious fervor, wasn't with it. Okay. Now, Chester attends Oberlin College in 1903 and then leaves the school in 1905, which we can do the math, didn't graduate, said, fuck it, I'm out. So he then moves to Cortland and starts working at the Gillette Skirt Factory on the strength of his wealthy uncle. So his uncle who I'm pretty sure bankrolled Oberlin College, Mm. said, oh, Chester, just come work at the old factory. Sure. So in true true mediocre white dude world, he has failed upwards, dropped out of college, you know, said, you know what? Fuck college. And then (laughs) his uncle was like, well, you should have a high position at the factory. Sure. And he's like, great. Totally makes sense. Now, Chester and Grace uh, meet. They meet at the factory and they start dating in secret. Okay. This is a clandestine love that these two have. (laughs) Mainly, mainly because, and this is that for the time, she was a quote unquote factory girl, right? Yep. And he was a well to do in Cortland. He was a skirt baron. What are you going to, you know, what are you going to do? <laughs> yeah, he was a, uh, he was really hemming it up, hemming up the, uh, the dollars <laughs> there, if you will. That's right, baby. Now, Rob, you never been to Cortland. It's true. And I'm here to tell you the idea that there is a well-to-do in Cortland is fucking crazy, okay? Interesting, okay. It's Obviously, it's a different time, but if you were to say that today in upstate New York, they'd be like, what? Mm-hmm. There's a ruling class in Cortland? Well, news to, news to me and apparently common knowledge in 1905. So, 1906 rolls around. Chester and Grace, you know, they've been dating, they've been together, and Grace gets pregnant. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. She then goes home to her family, Mm -hmm. okay? And when she's home, Chester promises to take her away to the Adirondacks for a vacation. Now, as this sounds great, right? This sounds great on the front end. However, during the journey... They are registering in hotels under fake names, which is a giant red flag because (laughs) I know that Grace didn't necessarily listen to a lot of true crime podcasts in 1904. True crime wax cylinders were a few years down the line. (laughs) Right. The the true crime records didn't quite hit the market yet. But fact of the matter is they're staying in hotels um, under fake names. Okay. 
And at one point, they stay in Utica, and they left without paying. Mm -hmm. This is also important to add, that Grace has been really pushing Chester to marry her, okay? And he don't want to do it. Right. In addition to that, she's also pregnant, as we said. So there are two real reasons why Chester is probably not so into old Grace at this point. Sure. Coupled with the fake names, the clandestine moves, this isn't a good look. No. So eventually they find themselves at Big Moose Lake, which if you've been following along, this might be where things go left. Okay. I want to quick talk about Big Moose Lake itself. Yes, jump in here. It's, I think, almost smack dab in the middle of Adirondacks, which the Adirondacks itself is a region in upstate New York, the size of Vermont. It's this massive wilderness region. It has its own own mountain range, uh, and it's it's massive. It's huge. And this is in 1906. The Adirondacks now are like, they're still underdeveloped because there's this um, basically law that that keeps them forever wild, which is like the um, the actual name mm-hmm. of the law. So this, you know, this is in 1906. So even there's less resorts, cabins, things there at this time. And they are remote. They're real remote, right? Um, sure, right. It's it's out there. It's nothing but uh, the Big Moose, Grace, and Chester. That's it. Mm-hmm. It's the only people that are out there, honestly. All right. So, July 11th, okay? The couple is seen rowing out to Big Moose Lake, okay? Now, this whole time, uh, Chester has been using the alias Carl Graham, which is close to his initials. This is a full setup for something horrible, okay? (laughs) Full setup. I have it in my notes. He's setting this up. This is about to get crazy. Now, Chester brings, according to reports, either a tennis racket out into the water why? I mean, water tennis, obviously. You, we've heard of water polo, right? Water, water tennis, right? I don't know what rich people are into, Jim. You're right. <laughs> this is, yeah, the well-to-do of Cortland, uh, in their in their passionate hobbies of, I guess, water tennis. Mm-hmm. So he, it's either a tennis racket or an oar, which probably makes more sense, <laughs> out onto the lake. He then, uh strikes her over the head and she falls out of the boat. Now, interestingly enough, Grace mentioned in her letters that she does not know how to swim. So this is on some real premeditated shit here, right? Yeah. Now, Chester returns alone. (laughs) Like, people saw him go out with someone else. Not a good look. Coming back by himself. No, no, not a good look at all. And he comes back alone and gives different stories to different people about what happened. There's no TV at this time. There's no podcasts. You have all the time in the world to get your story straight. There's no distraction. You're in the middle of nowhere. Like, yeah. The thing I'm most surprised about is how how dumb this guy is and how much time he would have 
would have had to like figure some of this out. Like, listen, I'll be one of the last people on earth to be like school is a measure of intelligence because we have different types of intelligence uh, out there. But he hasn't been demonstrating that all the cylinders are firing. And the fact that two years at Oberlin and then said, fuck it, I'm out. Yeah. I feel like thinking is a real challenge for him. So what you're saying is uh, murder is the measure of intelligence. It's a weird stance to take, Jim, but, you know, <laughs> hey, that's... I think, and to be quite honest, I'm pretty sure that um, since he had been failing upwards so much in his life, that he probably thought that if I murder Grace, that I right. will get promoted in some way, shape, or form. Like, if I fuck up again, only good things can happen for me. So, unfortunately, he is about to find out that when you kill someone, it is frowned upon <laughs> right. in the state of New York. So, he murders Grace, right? And then the body washes up on the shore the next day, obviously. Now, Chester is arrested a town over, okay? So, he's now in custody. During the investigation... The authorities find the Brown's love letters to Gillette, okay? And they go through them all. And in the letters, as I talked about earlier, she begged him to take responsibility for the kid, okay? And was looking forward to the trip to the Adirondacks, which is kind of sad. Yeah. That's kind of fucked up. Yeah. Well, speaking of fucked up, these love letters that she'd written were published in booklet form and sold outside of the courtroom during the trial. I was reading about the the trial and the, you know, the direct aftermath of the murder and it was like this case was sensationalized across the United States. Like I was reading articles about it from the time from like San Francisco, like people across right. the across the whole country were very captivated by it and like the depravity of of the murder like it was a super tragic incredibly tragic you know murder um of of grace she was pregnant so yeah there's now a baby that died as well and i think that is what really brought a lot of people into this story mm-hmm. Is that this dude was like, yeah, I'm about to go murder this pregnant woman and dump her off the fucking side of a boat and just go on with my life? Nuts. So the trial lasts three weeks, okay? And to the shock of no one out there, uh, resulted in a guilty verdict for the premeditated murder of Brown. The defense at the trial claimed... (laughs) (laughs) that Grace was confused and then just jumped out of the boat fully clothed. What? (laughs) Who who among us? Who among us says... She didn't know the rules of uh, water tennis. No, that's and I think that's what really drove her to uh, Crazy Town is um, she just said, fuck it, I'm out. Now, what really pokes a hole in all of this theory is that there were bruises on her head that were caused by some sort of striking, right? So you're not jumping off the side of a boat and then just floating to the bottom and then, you know, going to get hit by a rock at the bottom of the boat. Get out of here. Yep. So 
Anyway, their defense is bullshit. Uh, Gillette was sentenced to death by electrocution, and legend has it he was smirking at the time he died. What a fucking monster. Whew. Yeah, this is fucking wild, right? Like, this dude was in a whirlwind relationship with homegirl and said, you know what? I want out of this. I'm just going to go ahead and kill her. There, It's not that, like, he could have just, you know, been like, I don't want to take care of this baby. And that would have been that. But he was like, man, I should definitely murder her. I don't know how he he came to that uh, that conclusion as the, the best option. Like I said, the only thing I could possibly think of was that he was like, I'm just going to fail again and it'll be fine. So there was a novel mm-hmm. written about this. And this is, again, it was a huge media story. And then I think it was in the, the 20s or the 30s, um, an author kind of picked the story back up and he wrote like an 800 page book uh, out of this story. Huge book. It was, it wasn't quite a, you know, true crime as we have it today, which kind of Truman Capote famously kind of created our modern version of that, but it was still like a, a gripping tale of this murder where he fictionalized the names of those involved, but it's still very much the same story. And at the core of it, the corruption of Gillette or however you want to think of it, the author tied to capitalism. It was this, uh, interesting. He was, yeah, he was trying to always in, enhance his own station. And it was that, that mindset that like capitalism mindset that that author thought led him to commit this horrific murder of, you know, his pregnant girlfriend, that book would have been written during the gilded age. Right. Um, so sure. kind of when capitalism's running rampant. So having that was a fixture of the, of the novel, which again was huge, uh, at the time mm-hmm. as well. It like, I mean, I, if you, if you go down that road, right. It's like, I kind of makes sense. Like yep. she's affecting the bottom line. <laughs> like, so yep. he's like, how do I minimize cost and maximize profit? And the way to do that is murder, uh, as clinical as that sounds. So that is the story of the murder, right? And as you were saying, it the story has taken life uh, and is been turned into a novel, turned into a movie, which we'll get into. It also found its way onto television. Interestingly enough, okay. According to the classic '90s show Unsolved Mysteries, which mm. in fact covered this, um, there were several reports of a ghost haunting at Big Moose Lake at the Covewood Lodge. According to uh, Rhonda Buselot, God, I've been fucking these names up left and right. <laughs> um, Rhonda B. We'll call her Rhonda B. <laughs> I like it. Okay. So this is her direct retelling. Okay. I walked into the staff lodge straight up the stairs with my hand out, reaching for the string, which is how to turn on the light. As I approached the top of the stairs and just before I was ready to turn on the light, a feeling came over me that somebody was right there, more or less. I stopped in my tracks and really just didn't move. 
I didn't have an overwhelming feeling of fright, but something definitely or someone was there. And it just kind of took my breath away. But the real show was outside. According to Rhonda, her friends were witnessing a spine-tingling vision. All three of them have the exact same story. It lingered for just a few seconds and then moved away. All three of them saw a ghost. I didn't see anything myself, but I felt that somebody was right there, and it was just a strange feeling. So, I mean, we put two and two together. Rhonda's feeling some fucking energy next to her. Her three friends see a full-ass ghost (laughs) out there, right? It's like, and also, you know what I mean? It's like, ghosts show up when there's like a traumatic murder, right? When it's just like there's a traumatic murder or there's an accident where like the soul is trapped in that area. So Mm -hmm. this totally makes sense that uh, Grace is still uh, on that lake chilling, which you you can't pay me enough money to go out there. I've been near there. I I learned I've been uh, I've been near there. Oh, shit, man. Not at Big Moose Lake, but uh, there's uh, a Brooklyn brewery Mm -hmm. uh, down here called Strong Rope, and they have an Adirondacks tap room, which I've been to, Mm -hmm. uh, and they famously only use New York, uh, I think New York grains, uh, which is cool. Love it. Uh, But they have a tap room about 45 minutes away from Big Moose Lake, which is like, okay, I've I've been near. Man. Beautiful region great tap room don't know if they want to be connected to a podcast episode about murder but here here we are listen you know what sometimes this is where the story takes us man you know i feel like have had chester not murdered grace and just been a happy father of one we wouldn't we wouldn't have to be there so i feel like this is more his fault than anything you know what i mean i mean that's kind of a a a thread i chased down is the wild butterfly effect that has come out of this murder where, mm-hmm. so we have, uh, like I said, this huge novel that came out um, and was really successful. And then shortly after that novel came out, there was a movie made about this murder again in like the, the thirties. Um, and then again, the movie was uh, remade in the fifties and this movie won six Oscars. <laughs> Wow. Jim, do you know other movies have six Oscars? The Godfather? Godfather Part 2 and Star Wars also have <laughs> six Oscars. Jeez. I watched it. It's not as good as Star Wars. <laughs> sure. It's fine. It's a fine movie. It's got Elizabeth Taylor in it. Uh, I think she's the most famous star of the the three uh, headliners, also Montgomery Clift and then Shelley Winters. Okay, uh, and the movie is it's pretty close to the actual story. Um, the only kind of things that were changed, well, one, it wasn't filmed in upstate New York, which was a little bummed about. They shot Lake Tahoe for for the Adirondacks, which okay, you know, there's some pine trees there. It looked it looked okay. It was it was an okay match. Okay. And really the only addition was this Elizabeth Taylor character, which was another wealthy socialite. And basically um, the Shelley Winters character was the factory girl. And they start dating first. And then he meets this wealthy socialite who he'd rather be with, mm. but then finds out right. that Shelley Winters is pregnant. 
the wildest plot twist is so she kind of she goes up to the Adirondacks because he's vac- vacationing with his wealthy uncle and, and Elizabeth Taylor and she's like you have to marry me I'm pregnant and she like you know finds where he is calls him tells him to like meet her and he's like all right I'll do it Jim they go they go to city hall but guess what biggest weirdest plot twist I've ever seen it's labor day they can't get married. <laughs> yeah. Which resonates in, in a way like I feel like um, anyone that wealthy wouldn't know it's Labor Day. Right. But she would have. Yeah. Like that was probably the one day of the year she got off. Right. I feel like the the writers for this film were like, all right, we need just uh, we need a twist at the end. We need a button. How are we, how are we going to like. How do we throw this one off the off the trail? Labor Day. <laughs> Labor Day. That's got to be it. Jim, I, I let out an audible laugh. <laughs> and they're just like, oh, no, it's Labor Day. Can't get married now. <laughs> no, like literally, literally. And then he's like, hey, how about we go up to the Adirondacks? And I was like, no, no, don't, <laughs> don't do don't, it. Don't go. Aside from being shot in Lake Tahoe in California, they did they did put in loon sound effects, which I don't think we've talked about this, Jim. Okay. But I love loons. Um loons I only thought were like in northern Minnesota in the United States, but I delightfully learned they're in northern New York as well. Or sh- northern New York. What the fuck am I saying? Upstate New York mm. is what I should be saying. Right. Uh, right. Sorry. Sorry. That's all right. That's okay. But they they piped in tons of loon calls into the Adirondack portions, and I was a I was a big fan. We're here for the loons, <laughs> for, for sure, for sure. What a story, man! Jim, there's more. I got more. Oh well, tell me more. So we've got these. You know, there was two movies that came out. There was then a Broadway play. There was a someone did an opera uh, at the Met in the early two thousands. Like this story keeps kind of coming back in in new forms. I was reading some articles where people in the Adirondacks are upset that it's a, like a upstate story. Like that's not upstate. They're from the city, which you know they're from Cortland, right? Like. I think someone said they're from the big city. That is in that is incredibly relative, my friend. <laughs> right. That is very true. Big big relative right there. Very true. They are from the city, Cortland. <laughs> okay. And yeah, it was also mm-hmm. uh, I found um there's a historical marker on uh Big Moose Lake and it's maybe the most morbid mm-hmm. historical marker I've ever seen. I'll, uh, I'll I'll read it. It's at the it marks the hotel that they stayed at, which at the time I think was called the the Glenmore Hotel. Right. And it says on July 11th, 1906, Chester Gillette and Grace Brown left here for a boat trip, ending in her death and his 1908 execution for murder. That's it. Jesus. As if to say, don't get any bright ideas, fellas. I mean, I feel like at some point, right, and since this story has taken so much uh taken so much flight that like if a guy were to ever say to his lady, like, hey, wanna go to Big Moose Lake? She's gonna be like, Fuck you. 
one other wild kind of like butterfly effect thing out of this murder. And it's related to the movie I was talking about, um, which the movie is, I don't think I said the name. It's called a place in the sun, which sounds like a Hemingway novel. Sure. So in the movie, Elizabeth Taylor wears this dress with like flowers on the top. And I was reading that that dress because of that movie, uh, that was the number one style of prom dress that year that, that the movie came out. So because one asshole murdered this poor woman, 50 years later, it had an impact on nationwide fashion, which is insane. It's it's crazy. And and I will say, I was watching, watching this movie this weekend, and my wife Athena was just kind of right. in the room, not really paying attention. And the second Elizabeth Taylor got on screen, Athena turns her head and goes, what is that dress? It's stunning. <laughs> it, like, yeah, it's a great dress. It, wow. It, it's, it's a captivating dress. It's interesting that, like, for the time that was popular, right? Because it's like, mm-hmm. don't you know what it's attached to? Like this, yeah. This, this, yeah, this woman got murdered. Do we have any uh, any other any other facts or interesting things on uh, the hor- horrible murder of uh, Grace Brown? Well, one thing I'll say is is like in my research, and this isn't so much a fact per se, is like there were like definitely like conflicting points within different recounts mm. of it. Um, so like, you know, I feel like what we've hammered home is probably the, the, the truth of it obviously is like they met, she got pregnant, he killed her and then they fried him. But there's like little nuances that I think are, uh, people have different retellings of, but yeah, we here at, uh, understanding upstate want to give you the full truth of the murder, especially in this Halloween season and the spooky shit that comes around it, which is she ain't leaving that lake. Be careful uh, if you're up there because she's still out there. Although I wonder if she's probably like, <laughs> I, I mean, she's obviously pissed off, right? Cause she got fucking murdered. Sure. But like, I wonder like temperament wise, if she's like, like just, they're chilling or if she's just like trying to like like jason kind of deal right where she's like mm, killing people i mean i'm surprised someone hasn't made that movie just there's an opera about it for god's sake like which is wild and you know she's not getting she's not getting any residuals like i'd be mad i'd be more mad about that at this point 100 years of missed upon residuals i wondered i was wondering that too if the brown family um was able to cash in on any of this uh retelling of the story but it sounds like it, it sounds like it, yeah, she wasn't i'm sure not they weren't rather yeah no justice in hollywood rob no justice at all. That's true. Well, I got uh, I got a, a couple more uh, shorter little ghost stories for us. If we want to jump on over to to some of those, what do you think? Yeah, let's do it, man. Let's go. I spent a lot of time today reading old newspaper clippings, like talking back to the eighteen hundreds, just trying to find like 
spooky ghost stories or you know just any anything kind of supernatural from upstate new york of course got like a, a rumored loch ness type monster in lake champlain bigfoot sightings in the 90s stuff like that um but i really wanted to dig dig deeper to find some some good stuff for our listeners Mm. One that I found, this is like the first one I found, and it's from 1887, and it's it's from a little uh, little section of the newspaper called News in a Nutshell. And I like the alliteration. Yeah, oh, of course. They knew what they were doing back then. Uh, a little lighthearted segment um, where they talk about the ghost of Miss Roxalana Drews, the Herkimer County, New York woman who was hanged for the murder of her husband, now pays nightly visits to the cell in which she was confined and frightens the mm. jailers by moaning from midnight till dawn, or at least the jailers say so. Jesus. That was that was breaking news. Golly. And th- so then I, I went deeper into who um, Roxana Drews was, and she was the last woman to be hanged or i think just executed in new york state in new york yes um oh fun factoid her botched execution is why we have had the electric chair in new york state so really we again just like from a little clipping there was some significant um you know facts tied to it how do you fuck that up like (sighs) did she live through that and then they were like, all right, well, then I guess we got to, you know, figure out another way to kill you. Because I feel like if you get hung and then the rope breaks or whatever, you should be able to live. Like, yeah. That's God being like, nah, this 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 ain't going down like that. Related to to that, like her defense was she was a victim of domestic violence. So she was like, eh, I think moral of the story is. Uh, being a woman in the 18 to early 1900s, also today, not the easiest thing, right? Like it's no, it's, uh, no. the system was not um, not structured for them, right? Not at all. And it was uh, I was also reading like it was an early um, like women's right advocacy attempt to like get her uh, off of um, death row to like not have her executed obviously it wasn't successful but it was like an early um early part in that movement to to try and at least save her save her life Uh, that's uh but that's crazy though that like i would love to know like how it was botched like what what fucked up with this uh with this murder or with this um execution look jim i've gone down a lot of rabbit holes in my life and one of those rabbit holes Led me to the great American West many times in my life, and I believe okay the uh, don't quote me on this, but I believe the re- <laughs> don't I don't know where I'm pulling this this weird factoid from, but uh, I believe if you had a botched hanging, it would just be because the fall wasn't enough to break the neck, and then it someone still could theoretically die, but it would take very long and um painful amount of time uh not that breaking your neck also wouldn't be incredibly painful uh and i think that happened with some that happened with some regularity um 
when hangings hangings were concerned Mm. certainly too as like again that was like literally the last one so as they were doing them fewer of them the executioner was less practiced at it so they got worse at it right um uh, yeah a bad bit of business uh for for sure um jim i got two more stories two more stories uh, the final one will be the most lighthearted. Uh, so we're, we're, we're okay. ease people right. out of this uh, some of this dark dark subject matter. But again, interesting like upstate New York history and just like New York history too. The second tale I have um, is it's not a ghost story yet however almost every upstate ghost story i read and it, one's even <laughs> involving grace brown they all end with something to the effect of and they still say her her spirit w- walks the shores or her spirit is in the hotel right. or like every single one so that's that's gonna be the button i i put on the end of this tale but it's um a crazy, uh, crazy murder that happened in uh, Lake Saranac or Saranac Lake, I should say, uh, up in the Adirondacks, uh, a little bit more north of where Big Moose Lake is, back in uh, 1888, where a uh, a man named Charles Brown could be related. We don't know. Uh, I assume not. Sure. The Gillettes are unrelated, and the Browns are unrelated. Um, but, uh, Charles Brown, he was, uh, he was an Adirondacks guide. Uh, again, I like I was saying earlier, this is like a wild will, a wild wilderness. <laughs> and he, uh, had been drinking the night before, went to his local tavern. They knew that when this guy got drunk, he was not fun to be around. So they're like, mm, I think we're going to say no, buddy. And he took umbrage with that fact. Walked home over a mile, grabbed his gun, walked back to the the tavern, waited outside, and then shot the tavern owner dead in the street when he came out. Fuck. Yeah, what wild. So then this guy, since he's a guide, just disappears into the Adirondack wilderness. There's sightings of Holy him at a shit. logging camp. There's sightings of him at a railroad. Like he's just he's a fucking living ghost in 1888, just roaming the Adirondacks. Someone sees him down in Texas. Then he's back in the Adirondacks. They never find him. And like people... Interesting. People were genuinely terrified of him already just because he was, um, again, had a a bad reputation for being an angry drunk. Right. And he had like a crazy scar on his face. Like he was a recognizable dude. So he was like really like a supervillain of the 1800s, right? Like yeah. terrible scar, horrible attitude, like superpower can like disappear into the woods. Like, yeah, he sounds like a very uh, scary dude. And again, it's the it's an area the size the size of Vermont. It's huge. He just lived out the rest of his days in the Adirondacks and Jim, some say you can still find him roaming the woods at night. Fuck man. All right. I got, I got a more lighthearted right. one. This is a, a famous ghost hoax um, that happened up in upstate New York. Oh, okay. Let's go. 
And it's uh, this was also in Herkimer County, uh, which um, the first story happened in, which that's where uh, the court case for Gillette and uh, Grace Brown's murder happened. So Herkimer County, it's like a na- really narrow county. The southern part is in the Mohawk River Valley, and then the northern part goes all the way up in the Adirondacks. Yep. Um, and this final tale comes, again, comes from Herkimer County in the, the southern part where a lot of the cities, um, like the people in the county actually live. Uh, and this is from a newspaper... I think like 1901 and it's someone just recounting the best ghost hoax they ever knew. And I'll, I'll kind of paraphrase it, but basically there was a guy or these two guys that were hanging out, uh, at around their property and they had, they had noticed that, uh, they had this old well, right. And the old well, like had a, a wooden tube or pipe or something that went out to the lake, um, a, you know, mm-hmm. a ways away. And one guy <laughs> noticed that if he like shouted a- in one end of the pipe down by the lake, then it sounded like someone was in the well, just the, you know, the way sound travels. Right. Oh, wow. Okay. So they're like, okay. Hey, let's, uh, let's fuck around with our buddies. <laughs> so like, I think they were in a band or something. They had some friends over, And they're like, all right, well, we got to like come up with a good ghost story. And there was like a local um, local story about a guy who was with a caravan of of two other dudes and they were heading to the next town. He had forgotten something. He was like, I'm going to run back. I'll catch up with you guys. I'll, you know, I'll be able to double back in enough time. No one ever saw him again. It was presumed he was he was murdered. Right. Right. So, like, we're going to use this guy. Do you know what this guy's name was? Uh, Carl Weathers? No, but it is a contemporary name. His name was John Wick. No way. Yes. Very weird. His name was John Wick. I, like, did a double take when I read <laughs> it. I was like, what? What? Uh, so, Keanu Reeves, John Wick, is uh, <laughs> is the ghost. Um, right. And it's, it's referred to as the Wick incident in this article. So they they have their fictional ghost John Wick, mm-hmm. and so it, so they have their buddies over for their band practice. They they tell him like, oh I I heard a ghost in the well today, and they're like, no way, let's go check it out. Sure. So these two guys and their okay. buddies all go down. One of them runs runs down to the pipe, and right they they like come up with this uh, this repeated line that John Wick is supposed to say. And the, as they lower the bucket down and right when it hits, hits the water, John Wick, the ghost says, take the stone off my head. And like everyone freaked out. They all scatter. Uh, and over the next right. couple nights, they, they repeat this whole thing. They, they say, take the stone off my head every single time. It's like, the, you know, the, the ghosts, mm-hmm. ghosts line. And this like gets, a ton of traction in the area. Really? Uh, before you know it, you get clergymen coming out. Cause like, it's like this article is in 1901 and the person relaying it is like, this is from a long time ago. So like, you know, 1901 people are gullible, but it's 1901 people calling 1800s people gullible. So we're like multiple compounding factors of gullible here. Right. So clergymen come, they, again, they go through the whole thing. They're, 
like kneeling by by the well. The confusing thing is the article says that the deacon's name is Deacon Wick, as if he's maybe related to John Wick. We never find out. Right. And <laughs> they lower the bucket. Deacon Wick is there. The ghost John Wick says, take the stone off my head. And Deacon Wick demands in a long voice, in the name of God and the archangel, who are you? And then he says he's the spirit of John Wick. Uh, he asks, right. how how came you there? You know, I guess English syntax had not developed <laughs> to where it is today. Um, Gullible and broken English. Go on. Dangerous combination. Uh, John Wick, the right. ghost, replies, I, I was murdered and put here. Then the townsfolk were like, well, we got to dig up this well. We got to we gotta get old John Wick out of here. <laughs> so that... <laughs> Yo. They then proceed to dig up the well. And, you know, that was the end of the hoax. But, like, man, what an execution of of a hoax like pretty pretty legendary if your bit can end up in people engaging in hard labor to dig up a well <laughs> which which is so wild that like they like they let this go that far yeah right like they were just like they they didn't stop it like all right man i i guess that's now that's my question right is like what I, I like so they dug up the well and then they found like the pipe that led to the other side or like I don't what? think anyone thought anything of the pipe. There's like get this out of here. We got to find this ghost. Oh my god! <laughs> Listen, man, I that is, I'm glad that we were able to give a little bit of levity to uh our uh, trifecta of murder and uh and violence here i know it was necessary again i was deep deep in those digital newspaper stacks and uh i was delighted to find the tale of john wick which you know what for you listeners understand that there is a lot of flipping work that goes into these (laughs) uh stories that we're getting you out here man and you deserve each and every one of them and you know i have to say this what a what a journey through upstate new york as well um, yeah. I do want to speak on behalf of all, all of Upstate that um, we are not that gullible. <laughs> um, that there are some of us that have our, a good head on our shoulders and would not be su- too susceptible to that. Sure, sure. Hey, just uh, you know, keep me away from wells, and I'm fine. You know. Yeah, yeah, and uh, lakes or mm, uh, mm-hmm. any, yeah. I guess wells and lakes, any body of water. I think, yeah, small uh, and large, think, small know, and large. Just to avoid them this this uh, Halloween season. I think that's that's today's moral, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Don't fuck around. Don't go chasing waterfalls, as uh, TLC once eloquently put it. Stick to the rivers and not lakes. Well, what are we going to be chasing next week, Jen? So we are going to be chasing what could be the most delectable cuisine to ever come out of the Southern tier. And I say that uh, as a proud member of the 607 and having ate dozens, if not millions of these over my lifetime, um, they are in fact the speedy. 
we are going to be talking about the Speedy, which is home. Uh, it is our it is our delicacy. It comes in. Chi- we'll get into it next week. Oh yeah, save it for the episode. Yeah, yeah. It's gonna it's gonna get big. It's gonna get real big. I promise you that. I've only had one Speedy in my time, and it's all I've been able to think of since. I'm looking forward to the second <laughs> through the next million myself. They are oh man, delightful. Listen, it is they are one of one. I can tell you that with the uh, utmost honesty here. I ab- absolutely agree. All right, so Rob, what do you got? What do you got going on? What uh, what should people be looking out for? Look, I've got uh, I got an album out. Uh, you can find it at brooklynfrequency.bandcamp.com. It's called New York Sticky. It's pretty great. It's an instrumental album. Check it out. You can also follow me at Rob Adler Guitar on Instagram. You can also follow us, our podcast, at Understanding Upstate on Instagram. Got some cool little videos up there. Chat us up. Also, if you can subscribe, rate, and review our show. Also, share this episode with a friend. Uh, put a five-star review in Apple Podcasts. And let us know your favorite Upstate location, person, place or thing in the review and maybe we'll do an episode on it and we'll also read your review uh on air jim do you have anything to plug oh do i ever uh first off man first i want to say go to jimsearchcomedy.com uh you know you can find like my show dates and all that fun stuff there uh i do have a album as well Upstate Understandings, produced by my good friend Rob Adler. Uh, go buy that. Uh, you can go to gymsearch.bandcamp.com. You can pick up a copy, and if you buy one, buy another one. Um, and also, November 4th. November 4th. Um, that is the... Uh, when is this coming out? The 20... This is coming out November 3rd. Oh, shit. Yeah. Time is relative here. Um, November 4th. So, the day after you listen to this you need to get your ass over to the old union hall for pause joke shed it's gonna be the dopest comedy show binghamton new york has ever seen uh i'm gonna be headlining this stephen brown's gonna be hosting my man johnny mcdonald's gonna be slinging some jokes as well uh you can pick up tickets at the bar there's a seven o'clock and a nine o'clock show. And also you can get those tickets on Eventbrite as well. Bring the family. You know what I mean? Come on out. 607 in surrounding universe. Shit. Drive in from anywhere. I don't give a fuck. Come on out. Pause joke shed. It's going to be a blast. Uh, follow me on all social media at Jim search too, but don't follow me in real life. Cause that is cool. <laughs> And then with that being said, folks, uh, we appreciate you uh, taking the time to hang with us uh, to go through some spooky tales from upstate New York, uh, understanding what haunts us up there. And uh, we will uh, see you on the upside. Oh, is that what what I've got? I've got today's line to take us out. Oh, okay. let's let's go. Let's go with it. Take that stone off my head and I'll see you next week. Bye. Understanding Upstate is a podcast hosted by Jim Search and Rob Adler, edited by Rob Adler, and music from Regal Monk.